Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, as well as hitting the like button and the notification bell so you never miss a video. If you prefer audio format, search Gifted Performance on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting service and subscribe today. Make sure you also rate and review the podcast as that helps us out tremendously. Enjoy the podcast and stay gifted. Welcome back, guys. Another episode of the GPP, the Gifted Performance Podcast, where we give you the knowledge and practical takeaways to improve your own general physical preparedness. Before we started, I was telling him he is in rare company as a return customer to the Gifted Performance Podcast. The people said, we haven't had enough. Bring the godfather of SCN back to us. Bring the master of memes on again. It is, he does have a real name, folks. I think some people actually think that your name is first name rugby, last name coach, middle name strength. His name is Kier, and he's back again for another episode. Kier, how are you? Well, man, thank you for having me. I'm honored to make the uh, second appearance club. So when I'm in person and I like run into someone who knows me from social media, it's always, you know, yo, squat dad for you. When you see people in person that, you know, from social media, do you get RSC? Do they call you rugby strength coach? I have once been approached in a gym by a stranger and he said, excuse me, are you the rugby strength coach? And I just, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, do, you think it's, do you think it's a higher level of clout to be called by your Instagram name or they know you from Instagram and they call you your real name? What's cloutier? I, I think if people do not call me by my real name, it's because they don't know how to pronounce it. So I think it's kind of a gap. If I had a normal name, I think it would be. But for, for my name, no. <laughs> and our other guest here not even a guest co-host been on the podcast probably more times than she even wanted to she also has many names anna anna annie doe hack romada gun show she goes by all of them she prefers the first one anna if you call her anna just make sure you've got a rock solid jaw but she's going to give you some nice some nice loving if you call her that annie how are you i'm good uh yeah no one nobody but my grandmother calls me by my government name a full government name, which probably the same reason. Once you get past Anna, it gets a little hairy to pronounce, so nobody wants to call you that. The gun show is good. Life is good. Chaotic, but good. discovered right. You and my sister have the same name, the same middle name, and you were born in the same year. That's the truth. That's the truth. I saw her tag, and I was like, no, come on. Get at another Anna Rose. Come on. You and she gave oh, you that uh, that painting. Not a semi-alcoholic midwife. I'm, I'm <laughs> We're very similar. It turns out. Wait a minute. Was I born elsewhere? Yeah. Could be me. Kira, Kira, a question I've had for you for a while is, why do you like iced coffee so much? Like, why do you do that to yourself? Why don't you just drink hot coffee like a man, and and just leave the ice stuff in for you know the valley girls. Incorrect. I'm secure in my masculinity, you know. <laughs> uh, it's an enjoyable beverage. If, if, for example, when you're working in the, the hustle and bustle of professional sport where time is limited, if somebody just hands you an iced coffee and you have to get it down, you can get it down immediately rather than be running around going. 
There you it's go. It's a practicality thing. All right, there's your explanation. I can't I can't argue against that because there there is no there is no retort there. That's that's a that's a great point. Sancho, right. hot or iced coffee? It's, I'm well, iced coffee, and also like I would say in terms of masculinity, the less masculine thing is. Mm, like that whole thing. Oh my like, god! Yeah. I mean, I like up with like the sweater draped around. <laughs> right, right. You housewife. The Xanax is over here. That you live in that full housewife life. Right, right. <laughs> no, Red tops. It's that time of year again. <laughs> now I'm into that. There's yes. some some absolute chuggy. We're gonna bring chuggy full circle. Things that I do and pumpkin is all one of them. So Kier, what have the latest happenings been? I think it's been. I don't even know how long since you last came on the podcast to talk general uh, physical preparedness development. What's uh, what's been going on? I can't remember when I came on last. When did I, come I can't on? remember either. So, was I employed then? Yeah, bar- no, barely yeah. not. Yeah. One week out. So I uh, went full fuck it and left uh, organized strength and conditioning for a few different reasons. Uh, one was. You know, I'm single parent in the middle of a custody battle, and the biggest uh, one of the biggest arguments against me is, "Oh, look how much time he spends at work. He's not going to be around." Blah 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 blah. So that's a major no-no, which it, it can be worked around. There were periods where I had my son by myself. I had him in daycare. I was working a lot of hours. I was in season. Uh, but it's very, very difficult to do, and it's still not as much. You're not as present or as spending as much time as you would like to, even under those circumstances. So I thought, you know, that's that's the biggest price that I'm paying. What is it that I'm getting out of the job? And I've always tried to like make my my interns and my assistants think about what do you do for peace. It's going to be uh, pay, personal life, uh, career progression, and purpose. So with, uh, with the pay, it got to the point last year where I think I made three times online what I was making from the school. So it was a very fortunate, and that's not because I'm the world's best businessman, it's because the collegiate S&C pays like dog shit. Um, but there was that, so I, I could walk away for that reason and per unit of time invested, I should always go with myself versus the school. In terms of the personal life, horrible, you know. <laughs> I think it takes a very uh, special type of partner to be a partner to a full-time strength coach and to be happy doing it. I'm sure there are a lot of unhappy partners out of there, and I'm sure there are a lot of partners where it's a lifestyle that's incompatible with what they're about, but certainly uh, pro SNC is not good for your personal life, in my experience. Um, and then the, the, the big part of that was with my son and, uh, career progression. I, I basically said to, uh, the, the athletic director, I said, oh, when I, you know, when I came here, there was a question mark of, could I, could I do this job? Could I be a director for uh, a college football team? Um, you, you offered me that opportunity and, uh, the answer to that is yes. So now what are you going to offer me? Oh, you know, maybe you're going to get to the NFL. I said, no, no, no. If if I'm going to go to the NFL, it's going to be me that gets me there. You are you 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 have ceased to advance my career. And then in terms of the the purpose, uh, probably a couple of guys that I'd mentioned on the call, Eric Corum was truthfully one of like the ten people in this field that I could work for, because um, he's that smart. He's he's done that much. 
he left to go uh, start up a company. Then my assistant, Scott, who's you know my right-hand man, got a job at Arizona. We, we pushed him out the door for the same reason that all of us were leaving. Um, he actually considered staying, so we had to have a come-to-Jesus talk with him. So by the time these two dudes left, uh, the school in there was much chose not to fill those positions. So then I ended up being in the, in the place 14 hours a day, uh, six days a week. And, you know, always there had been that competition between what you do in the private sector, what you do in the collegiate sector. But when you're spending 14 hours a day, it's like, right, now you've you've really made the decision easy for me. So, uh, yeah, I quit. And... The, the way that I'd kind of like announced it was I was, I was going to write a blog. So I, I wrote it on Medium and I published it thinking, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll copy this link and share it out to my social media accounts. I forgot when I signed up, I signed up using Twitter. So I accidentally put this out to 20,000 people. And I, I woke up the next day to 100 DMs and texts, like literally 100. It took me a day. I, I, uh, I was flying to Arizona to go see Scott. So it took me a day to go through all these messages and it got read by like 10,000 people. So obviously kind of like struck a nerve, which had confirmed what it was I want to do right now, which is there are a lot of unhappy people out there that are not content with the status quo in strength and conditioning. And there is a lot of code of silence. There are a lot more unhappy people than there are people speaking out because of the code of silence and basically the nepotism and like, hey, if you don't like it, I'm gonna hire my guys and stuff like that. So um, if, if you viewed what I do online negatively, you just say that I'm stirring shit and I'm being a dickhead for the sake of it. It, but but I am trying to put out as much alternative viewpoints, like backing it up with like, hey, this is shit, you're dumb, this is a terrible idea, but also here's another way to do it. So continuing to try and grow Strength Coach Network, we, we just put out a long form uh, course called Fundamentals, which is, has done really, really well and um, just gonna, hopefully going to keep moving forward in that regard. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen the ad for the uh, the new course out there. It's always on my Facebook. I'm scrolling and I see your shining face, and it says, "Hey, stop scrolling for a second. And I'm like, "Okay, if yeah, you yeah. say so, Kier, I got gotcha. you." And I always watch. So probably like 400 of those views are just like me scrolling, just be like, "Oh, hey, Kier, what's up, man? How are you?" So this is kind of kind of jumping ahead in our question list here, but it it segues nicely off what you just said right there, which is that career arc of a young strength coach, which has left people kind of with a sour taste in their mouth. And I mean, maybe, maybe it's cause I like you and I think you're a nice guy, but I don't see you as stirring shit. I see you as someone who is pointing to a problem and offering a solution. The worst people in the world are the ones that point to a problem. And then you say, okay, what's the solution? And they say, well, fuck if I know, but they're sure as shit is a problem. So we got to get it fixed. So when we talk about the career arc of a strength coach, the way I outlined it was, Something along the lines of, you know, you start your bachelor's degree, maybe you were a high school athlete, did some lifting, you had an interest in getting stronger and more conditioned. So you start your bachelor's degree, internship, finish up, bachelor's, maybe you get a GA position if you're lucky, but those are kind of few and far between. And like you said, they pay like shit. 
So maybe you're still an intern, master's in S&C now, do some ass kissing, get some certifications that do God knows what for you. And then you keep your fingers crossed that when all that is said and done, you make 35000 a year. Would you say that's a, an accurate classification of the S&C career arc for a young strength conditioning coach? So you'd be lucky to make thirty-five off the bat. <laughs> yeah, I, I shot a little high. I work underneath me. Who was in his late thirties, getting twenty-five grand a year. Now, admittedly, he'd left. I think it was a D two or a D three job because of the glamour of D one. But that's what they had him on. Very glamorous. There, was, there would be no shortage of people to replace him with. Yeah. So. With that model, because things move slow in industries, when you're trying to reinvent how the career progression works in an industry, these things are going to move slow. So, you know, 15, 20 years from now, do you see this still being the model that's followed? Do you see, you know, an upending of the system? Will there be a revolution, a renaissance? I I feel like the biggest undercurrent to all of this is just simple supply and demand so there's a couple of factors but ultimately individuals compete in the marketplace to deliver a higher and higher quality product or service to consumers at a lower and lower price and your uh your labor is the product and the athletes and the organ the institutions are the the consumers and it's what you see i i know a guy who did he was a head of academy for a pro rugby team in England. So England is not even, sorry, rugby union is not even the most lucrative sport in the UK. It's probably top three. As a head of academy 22 years ago, I want to say he was earning 35,000 pounds, which adjusted for inflation is probably like 60 to 70 now. Maybe he had a degree. And he would freely admit that 22 years down the line, he's a much better coach than he is now. There are people earning less without adjusting for inflation, 35,000 pounds in the same job. So this, you know, the same job that I did for London Wasps 10, 11 years ago, the salary is not budged at all. So, and the, the reason for that is competition because if you, it's, it's disappointing, but if you put yourself in the seat of the institution your job is to go out and find the highest level strength coach for your athletes to uh, be trained by for the lowest possible price if the going rate is 25 and you pay 40 are you going to keep your job no, no it's going to be it's going to be frivolous so it, it's one of those lagging metrics where it almost has to get so bad that people are discouraged from joining the the workforce and then maybe it will you know bottom out then there's a labor shortage people start to pay more and more and more to to get bums on seats and then it starts to go up as people bid up the price we are a long way from that and uh, one of the reasons for that is what constitutes no not, not not what constitutes those institutions that feel the need and will put their hand in their pocket for a strength and conditioning coach continues to expand. So if you look at the way the industry has gone 20 years ago, it was a preserve only of, this is, I'll speak about Europe, top tier professional sports teams. Then it was second tier, third tier, fourth tier, basically all the, the full-time professional organizations. Then it was private schools. 
now it's public school districts now it's you know um private sector then you get all the subsections like oh you know uh uh cancer rehab diabetes like all these things so and we're getting it you know in the in the us the same has been done with the military the the amount of people that are leaving collegiate strength and conditioning for the military because that race to the bottom has not happened yet and the working conditions are much improved that's that's happening right now and as they roll out the new uh, is it the army combat fitness test yep. phase one the gyms are phase two staffing them is phase three you're going to see a huge wave of people go to that sector and my belief is actually that esports is going to be the next military um that's what i think so there's that and a compounding factor is it's it's really really easy to justify spending a lot of money when you can put a dollar amount on the return that 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 investment brings and this is why if you if you read it like google facebook and other pay-per-click advertising platforms in in the good old days of tv and radio marketing was spray and pray you spend a thousand on ads revenue comes in oh which which ads work the best which was a part of the message that they that convinced them to buy why do they do this why do they do that? don't know spend more fucking money on ads more money comes in and it goes around like that and obviously there's a lot of money that gets wasted there and google and facebook were like right this ad worked the best they clicked this amount of times and for every dollar you spent you got this amount back and then it's real easy to just keep spending money on Google and Facebook because you know every time you put in a dollar, you're going to get a dollar fifteen back. So their marketing argument is give us money, you'll make more money. The harder it becomes to demonstrate a clear return on investment when you're selling a product or service, the, the less people are willing to pay for it. So with that said, put a dollar value on the role of a strength coach within a collegiate sports team compounded by the fact that you're dealing with people asking them to pay you money what is your level of confidence in the average administrator or sport coach to precisely define the contribution of a strength coach minimal or evaluate it if yeah. they if they can say what you do with any accuracy do they know how to measure it no so it just becomes about uh being liked ingratiating yourself to be so that the less you can quantify performance the more longevity and success becomes about ingratiating yourself to the person signing the check and you just gotta really hope that they like you which means that you get to rise above the the race at the bottom it, there are people that make a lot of money in strength and conditioning but it's, it's like the wire you know only only one guy gets to be stringer bell everyone else is getting shot on the block <laughs> so strength strength coach network it would be fanciful to paint the reality as anything but that what we're saying is let's get you out of that bottom shit eating level as fast as humanly possible and here's how to do it that's what we're yeah. trying to do. yeah so developing those soft skills as well i think that's one thing that when you're very green and you go into snc you're like all right i'm gonna make strong guys stronger and these coaches are going to see that these administrators are going to see that and they're going to think that I'm the best thing since sliced bread and it, they might see it. They don't realize it. And also they don't give a shit about it because they don't want to pay you anything anyway. So, yeah, like you said, building up those soft skills of ingratiating yourself with people and making friends and connections is yeah. a lot more important than any, you know, 
one by one by 20 analysis that you've got that you're going to bring to some sport coach that only understands bats and balls. So here's an example. Here's an actual example. Eric uh, won uh, an ACC at Florida State. He was a director for Kentucky in the SEC. He was the head of sports science for an NFL team for two years. And then he came to William & Mary. Scott was clearly good enough that he could go to a Power 5 program. And I did what I did in rugby. When all three of us left, the response of the administration was, let's go to American Fitness and replace them with personal trainers. That's a real example. <laughs> no, no disrespect to personal trainers. It's a different skill set, though. It's a very different skill set. Those are going to be three very happy personal trainers. Very happy at first, and yeah. then it's day one, terrified. They're going to see what <laughs> they got themselves into, immediately terrified. Do you feel like the student athletes aren't going to notice? Well, I know the answer to this, and I know you know the answer to this, but they know. Oh, they, yeah. They're rumbling. They're like, what is, and no no offense to whoever the, the hires were, but they're, they're going, what is, what is this de- degrade in, in coaching quality? I know. They're not they, they, call it the, they call it the public Ivy League for a reason. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So like you said, this, this isn't going to change anytime soon. It's not going to change quickly. So it's important for those that are currently running this rat race to, you know, afford themselves opportunities to make revenue outside of what they're getting or not really getting in terms of payroll. So when you see, you know, young guys, young gals in this situation, what do you tell them? And this might be something that you have on SCN. What do you tell them in terms of making more money for themselves so that they can actually survive? Because if you just finished your master's degree, you probably got a good amount of student loans. The government's coming for your ass on those. You got to make money somehow. What are the other revenue streams that you pitch to young coaches? Well, I mean, you touched on it. The most important thing is to, is to recognize that the the business that has one customer is run by an idiot and you're, you're the CEO of you. <laughs> so you're one customer firing away from ruin. If you have a thousand customers and one fires you, Big fucking deal. It's one, 1% drop. So being able to diversify money coming in is probably going to cushion the blow when bad things happen to you. So I think that's like, except that bad things are going to happen, mitigate for the damage that you're going to expose yourself to. One, one mistake that I made, you know, 10, 11 years ago was not putting my eggs into the basket of scalable income. And by scalable, I mean, if you want to double your money, you have to double your hours or effort. Uh, Because when you are working strength and conditioning, just by the nature of the job, it's a lot of hours. You're going to be very, very tired, very, very drained. And you you go to make money outside of that, let's say personal training, because that's the the cliche. That's what I did, personal training. You say, oh, you know, I, I make 50 bucks an hour. If you want to make a hundred though, it's another hour. And really it's not another hour because you're having to do session prep, session breakdown, uh, travel, all that kind of stuff. So if you do want to make, because here's the thing, the best case scenario is that you make so much money on, on the side that you can coach for a hobby. So to get to that point as a personal trainer, you're never going to sleep. So what you with with all those jobs, 
it gets to the point where you are so drained from making the side money that you're dead in the coaching job, which means that it's not benefiting the coaching job and you're miserable, which defeats the object. So you, you have two options. One is to go find work that keeps paying you more and more and more, which obviously is probably not going to happen. Uh, the second is to put your time, energy, and effort into jobs where it's scalable, i.e. to double your money, you would not have to double your energy or effort. For example, subscription business. Strength Coach Network is the same amount of work to me. If a thousand people join, if a hundred people join, if five people join. It's more fun, but it's, it's, there are increases in costs but they're not linear. So it's it's a much smaller increase in that stuff for the increase in, in money that it brings in. Uh, other stuff like, it's probably not gonna happen early in your career, real estate. Um, when you talk about personal training, what I should have done was I should have rented a small space and done group sessions and then start, you know, let's say I can train five people without any drop off in quality, build myself up to five. Okay. Start marketing, hire another coach to do it in the same space as me. Now, you know, I'll, I'll pay that person 8%. I'll keep 20%. Now they max out to, to five people. And then that's, I've just doubled my money again. I can just keep, keep doing it like that and trying to find ways to scale what it is you're, you're currently doing. Um, but, be careful of jobs where there's a one-to-one relationship between input and output. And here's the thing about a day job where you get a salary. If you double your effort and hours in uh, collegiate strength and conditioning, what's the increase? Fucking nothing. The institution is going to go, oh, great work. Thanks. <laughs> and then in April, they'll give you the 3% uh, appreciation and performance bonus which is really called inflation which is we value you just as much as last year but we're going to dress it up as this is being a reward now be grateful <laughs> just You're because so i've always been kind of somewhat curious about it and you know let, let's just assume that these people do have kind of the means the wherewithal to go into real estate like you did I, i'm yeah. interested to hear kind of how you broke into that space um, where in your career you broke into it, how you got into it, where you started, all of that. Yeah. Well, this this is not typical because, you know, quite frankly, I left Japan. I, I'd saved. Well, here's the thing. The online stuff put me in this position. But when I was in Japan, I lived off the website because they were paying for my rent and they were paying for pretty much everything in Japan. So when I left Japan, I had a quarter of a million dollars saved in the bank. So I just basically lived like pretty frugally when I was over there. So I came over and I could invest in, in real estate. Uh, so I bought a house as a shit house for cash. And then last year I took what I had left and got a mortgage and put that into a multifamily property. But the, the important thing is, is that yes, you are taking on debt, but other people are paying the debt off. The risk is, is that they won't, and you'll be you'll be left holding the bag. But that's why you keep money in the in uh, in the bank, and you you know you have contingencies in place. But that's an example of you can you can scale up your effort because one, you can borrow money to lever up how much money you're bringing in. Two, people pay off the debt for you. Uh, three, it's an appreciating asset in, in its own right. And four, once they're in. 
what do you have to do? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go up the road and check on my tenant every day and be like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? It's like <laughs> no, no additional, you know, I don't work any harder now that I have five units compared to one unit, maybe a little bit harder. Cause I've got a couple of deadbeats I'm trying to get out. But, um, with that said, you, you might say like, oh, you know, it's, uh, not everyone's got, you know, 200 grand saved up in America. I'm not entitled to this because I'm an immigrant. You can have an FHA loan, which is three and a half percent down. You you do need a, a reasonable credit score, but if you put three and a half percent down, they'll they'll give you a government backed mortgage to to buy a property. So you know, I'll I'll talk about uh, Richmond. Richmond, you could buy a duplex for I don't know two fifty. Not an amazing one, but you can buy a duplex for two fifty. So you need three and a half, <laughs> ten grand. You you can you can save ten grand in two years working at McDonald's. So once you do that, you put that down, buy your um, buy your duplex, fill it with a tenant. The 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 gold standard that everyone talks about is oh live free, live for free. You're going to have a tenant paying the entire mortgage from one unit. It's not going to happen. Mm. But guess what? You're probably going to be able to live for a couple of hundred bucks a month, and then that becomes a virtuous cycle of well now you're living in a couple of hundred bucks a month. If you don't change your lifestyle, you can start saving that money, putting it into, uh, you know, adding value to the house, stuff like that. So, again, extreme example, I, I bought an apartment building, uh, like a ship four unit apartment building for $405,000. And I'm finding out this year why it was so cheap, but <laughs> I'll, I'll have probably put a hundred into it and it will, it will probably end up being worth at least 600 to 650 so then i can refinance it take my money out and hopefully do it again and time it for when the world implodes next year yeah i was gonna say what's your what's your contingency plan for another pandemic and how big was the sigh of relief when the eviction moratorium was lifted well so here's the thing it's still in place i, I believe it's still in place so you you can't and it, it depends on states. In the South, That's especially true. Arkansas, it's like five days delinquent, you can send in a sheriff to evict them. In uh, Typically in the blue states, it's like short of them running a meth lab or beating a hooker to death in one of the units, it's like you're not going to get them out. <laughs> but, you know, what happened was I had a tenant in there for – I inherited this tenant. And they basically – when I bought the house, they they – gave me fraudulent rent rolls they lied about the money coming in i'm looking at it like oh this you know there's money coming in i think it was one missed payment for the entire building for the year and uh yeah then i found out this person had not paid rent for the entire duration of the time they'd been there pre-pandemic stayed the entire duration of the year-long lease which expired on the first of january this year and i just got them out last week so it's it's a motherfucker but yeah that's where the contingency money comes in because if i if i can do it with this i can hopefully do it with regular people that have some sense of morality <laughs> hopefully that's the hope yeah. Gunshow, you've you've been kind of around the ringer of this industry as well like you ran through it as well do you have somewhat of a similar story of, of your kind of come up through the ranks here I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely a shorter ver version of it. Now I've kind of found a way to make it kind of make sense for me. But I think what's really strange is that when you're an, 
when you're an undergrad student, when you're a grad student, it's the, it's the same thing. They, they, I don't want to use the word grooming because that's a, that's <laughs> that's indoctrinating. That's, they they yeah they, they they teach you the whole time if you do right and you work hard and you go to your internship and you show up and you and you work very very hard and you are really appreciative. You're gonna get this like bomb ass strength and conditioning coach job. And most people, that's not true actually. For me, it was, and I was I was really grateful. And I was also 21 years old, and um, I was, you know, super grateful. Kind of kind of maybe even a little bit naive to what was what the scenario was and within two years i i realized i would never have a family in the in the way that i was working i was working 60 70 hours a week travel with travel i was the the fng the new guy that always had to do things and stuff i had an amazing amazing staff where i was um i think everybody i worked with went on to do great great things with their careers but i think they got out of it a little bit i think they're doing side gig things that I think that blew up for them. Like I see that everybody that was with me at the time went on and did their own, their own side hustle and turned it into their main hustle. And I don't think some of the, the best coaches I worked with are, are still coaching. Um, I should catch up with them, but I realized pretty quickly that I did have aspirations that were very, uh, that needed some stability. And also I think, there's there's not a lot of discussion about the dynamic of a changing staff and what it might look like if if god forbid the guy that is the football coach at your d1 sec school gets cancer and has to step down kiss your fucking ass bye like you're you're done because whoever comes in that happened to eric so yeah when he came into the texans he didn't know at the time, but there was this big rift between the, the head coach and the GM. Mm-hmm. And he came in not knowing it, that he was a GM guy and the GM's wife got cancer. He took a sabbatical to go care for his wife who ended up dying. And the second that happened, he was gone. Absolutely. And they made a point of saying, hey, you have a job. You, you, I think he had a year left in his contract. They brought him into office. Hey, don't worry. You're going to see out this contract, whatever, blah, blah, blah literally like two months later they're like hey that was a lie (laughs) it's crazy right and then and then that's the implications down the line for you is you were that it feels as though you were that particular cornerstone sports strength coach and now unfortunately he's at the end of his actual life and it's already kind of heartbreaking they're like well that's nice this new guy's gonna come in and his staff from baylor is gonna come in and then so you're moving and you're not moving you know, 20 minutes down the road to a different office building, you're moving to a different state and you're taking your whole family with you. And when this was happening where I was, I had a colleague that had a eight month, seven, eight month pregnant wife at the end of our contracts. And they moved and she had to like move OBGYNs, change her delivery plan. Your whole life is on this state of well, is this going to even be stable? So shit money aside, shit personal life aside, shit kind of appreciation and, and, and job standard aside, you're never stable. And that was my experience, and especially in like the D1 uh, kind of division. I found a lot of stability in smaller colleges, uh, quite a bit of stability. In fact, I've found ways to work through the industry where I can say, Here's what I can bring to the table. Here's what I can't do. And they're a little bit more, they're a little bit more upfront with me. It's like, we'd, we'd love to have you on staff. Um, here's what we can do. Is this workable for you? And so I started working like limited contracts 
and that was useful to me. And then it, similar, I just started doing things on the side, and the, I agree with the military scenario. I like to think I pioneered that, though. And uh, <laughs> I like to think I'm the George Washington of that. And uh, you can you just start kind of playing around in different areas. But nobody tells you that. You have to figure it out. Like you have to find you find out along the way that you're not going to be stable. Is this workable for you? For me, it's not. I was like, no, I want some stability. Then what did I do? I married a guy in the military and we lived in a travel trailer for a while. Well, that was weird. But you know, life happens that way. So um, it's it's an interesting one, and they don't teach you along the way any financial literacy. I don't, and no one's. It's not. It's not their yeah. responsibility. For that on Strength Coach Network Fundamentals. Strengthcoachnetwork.com <laughs> slash oh. fundamentals. Yes. Oh, there we are. Plug. Plug. Link down below, folks. Link down below. sign I up. Send you guys a code so that anyone signing up through this will get 100 bucks off. How's that? Oh, that's awesome. That's Done. fucking awesome. Yeah. Our viewers and like it... one thing and one thing only, and that's free shit. So you just, <laughs> ears have perked up. No one said free. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about financial literacy and cures matters. <laughs> cures <laughs> matters. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's your responsibility to find to find your way. It's all all your responsibility. And so when when I realized pretty quickly that I was going to have um, at best toxic relationships, <laughs> with, at best oh like never own a home. Like I just like oh I'm not going to be here that long. I don't know what it is. Um, I had to find other stuff to do. And I found a lot of, I, I mean, I, I credit strength and conditioning for wiggling me into the military world, but I love it. And there is stability there. So that was kind of my experience with it. And now, as you know, I, I work in a limited contract with a smaller college. And then I do a lot of stuff on the side, like just a lot of things. And that's work. That's a workable process for me. I will not work again in the strength and conditioning field after this contract's up. I'm just, I'm done. Cut. And it's a, it's a dollar for hour scenario. At this point, I don't have those hours anymore. I see you saying that the same way that I see myself talking about teaching, where I'm like, I hate it. I'm never going back, not working for another university. If I mm -hmm. have to teach S&C or basics of exercise science again, just put a gun in my mouth. And then someone's going to be like, hey, you want to come teach adjunct? And I'm like, ah, you know, fine, I'll do it. So you'll get suckered back in. I, I can feel it. Conversations is, like I had yesterday will will not tempt me back. Having to tell Aaron fucking felt that gaining mass is probably not going to make you faster over a forty yard dash. What? <laughs> the fuck? I have to explain that. <laughs> the drawbacks sometimes, man. Fucking the drawbacks. Hell. So uh, in in the the Instagramosphere, I think, and you probably get this a lot on your Q and A's because you have a lot of young aspiring S and C coaches that you know hit your DMs very regularly. I'm sure people are always looking for that source of enlightenment. What's the book I can read to get to where you are? What who who's the person that I should follow? What's the podcast that I should listen to to kind of diversify what I do as a strength coach and revenue earner? So what was it? What was it for you? Was there a person? Was there a textbook that you read or was uh, it just, you know, trial and error, figure it out. Oh, fuck yeah. I failed a lot. Um, nah, well, back in the, the glory days of, uh, borrowing things from the internet via BitTorrent, I, uh, those are the old days. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. Well, this is 2010. So when I moved to London, 
I ended up finding a place to live that was an hour 15 commute on the underground from where I worked. And I used to consume audiobooks. So just, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like training. You, you start off and you're like, bodybuilding is going to be the thing. I, I think there's a career progression for every strength coach. You think it's bodybuilding. Then you discover that there's a guy named Louis Simmons. And you're like, oh, no, I'm absolutely fucking destroyed from doing one RMs every week. Then you discover Glenn Penlay, you know, all this. That, it's Olympic lifting. And then you're like, no, nah, that's not it. And then you start to go to like Verkashansky, special strength, jumps, throws, plyometrics. And you're like, no, nah, that's not it. Then it becomes conditioning. Then it's sports science and all this kind of thing. And it's basically you're just – you're going through the parking lot, turning over rocks to try and find the one that's got the, the million dollars underneath it. And intellectually, that's how I've always done it with books. It's like you, you read a book, you get 10 more questions – you read another book, you get another, te- you know, set of questions. It's just like you're just you're just gradually expanding your your knowledge and ideas and stuff like that. So, in in the same way that what I read as it pertains to training now, I would laugh and kind of look down my nose a little bit at me reading Poliquin Principles in 2005. I had to read it to get to that, and. I, I feel kind of the same way with with books in general. In order to get to things that I'm reading, you know, like I, I bought a book last year that was painful to read, but it was called um, The Complementary Nature. It's about coordination dynamics and how you can express mathematically coexisting and diametrically opposed ideas. It was in terms of math that anyone reading that versus like looking back 10 11 years ago to a four hour work week for example is it is it the be all end all no nah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pop culture book did it get me to to reading stuff like that and to expanding my my taste yeah so i think it's it's more important to read consistently and to just keep looking for the next thing and to expand your taste and i i bought a uh, Ayn Rand, recently, I'm going to get stuck into it now that my, my kid's not here. I'm named after a socialist politician. I consider myself pretty liberal and progressive, and uh, I'm sure I would disagree with the concepts in that book, but I'm going to read it just to – I always like to disagree with people from a position of information rather than, oh, that guy's a cunt. <laughs> Sorry, just – I wouldn't say there's been any one thing – it's more the process than the, the source. What about you, Annie? Same question. Uh, I, that's actually awesome because you don't, what I think books give you isn't a map to what you're going to do. Don't give me the roadmap to strength and conditioning. I do, maybe, maybe, let me read it, you're right. But what I think is, has been just so valuable, unbelievably valuable in my life in all areas is conversations I'm able to have with other people that are intelligent, but also um, by way of reading, by way of taking in information and processing it, you get to learn who you don't talk to. Like not, you know, not, I don't, I don't fucks with them. Like not like that, but you learn who is worth having discussions with and who's going to expand your mind. You learn it much faster by way of understanding a variety of different concepts, you know? So book wise, 
when people ask me like what's a good concurrent training manual that you should look through, I always say Vladimir Siren's block periodization so that you can understand adaptations and deterioration times. But is block periodization about concurrent training? Not really. It's about the principles of it. And then you can kind of go from there. That said, that book has had a 5% difference on my life because I'm, I'm like, okay, well now, now I have different rabbit holes I can go down, but I can also discuss things with people that I think are in on the same train I'm going on. So I don't know that there is one book or thing or stuff, but it's the conversations. It's the, it's the educated um, kind of dialogue we can have. A great example is just peeking into the gifted performance group coaches and having oh, you guys God. talk about, I don't want to talk to you guys about recovery ever again, you know, but, but imagine being in a world where we can't dissect ideas and have that kind of honest discourse about fucking anything. Right. Because we're dumb. I don't know. He's not on the, he's not on the call, so we can just completely trash him. But our, our good friend, Thomas Butler, we, there was a, a shouting match about the differences between recovery and adaptation that probably consumed the entirety of my Tuesday. No work was done that day. It was just back and forth yelling. But yeah, like you said, it's like you read the book to have, you read the book, you read the text, you gain the knowledge of the principles, and then you can have this immensely productive discussion, debate, shouting match, whatever you want to call it, about the application of those principles. It's it's the bedrock, and then it's everything else from there, whether it's strength conditioning, whether it's real estate, whether it's making money, investing, whether it's fucking Bitcoin. I don't even know. You understand the basics, and then you kind of just take it and roll from there. And it doesn't mean... Like, like you said, it's not like you, you're not going to have a shit list of people where you where you fundamentally disagree and you're not going to talk to them. Like I keep dropping him, Eric. I used to joke that me and Eric were like the odd couple because he's like this uh, evangelical, moderately conservative Christian from Texas, and I'm the loudmouth European atheist. And together they get up to the craziest capers. But like, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of stuff like that he and I fundamentally disagree on, but that's my guy. And you know, we we would we would be in the car, like just gonna get a coffee or something. He would just be like, "What do you think about abortion?" And I'll be like, "Oh fucking hell, this is like it's 9 a.m." <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff that you know, like fundamentally, we're probably gonna disagree about. But I have love for him, and I'm quite happy to discuss it with him. Well, I think critical thinking, I think if you're able to, crit- I love that. I love asking people questions. And I, yeah. I've even said that to a, a, a gifted performance coach, like instead of yelling and arguing with people, I do a lot of question asking to walk, either walk people into things, you know, or else like actually understand what they're doing. I couldn't do that if I didn't have an idea of what, what, how their mind works and how my, how my mind works and how I understand things, how other people understand things. Um, but I like to I like to understand it. What's that? What is it? Seek first to understand, then to be understood. I also like finding out. Painful. That is the most the is it seven habits of highly effective people. Is that what it is? It yep. is a painful book. It took me like three years to read. Is that out of that book? Stephen Covey, yeah. He said that? Yeah. Ah. Well, I'm embarrassed, but it's it is how yeah. I operate. Well, I came up with that, and Stephen Covey can suck my dick. I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with that. Like, I do try to walk people into things, but it's only on a, from a stance of, am I going to waste my time arguing with this person? Right? Like, am I going to waste my, or am I going to 
get an idea of what we're about. I don't know. And again, it comes down to like, there's a lot of people I, I disagree with in, in many, many ways, but I appreciate that they have uh, a, a baseline in which to critically think. And when I think about this conversation as a whole, the first thing that comes to mind was, Kira, your debate, if we can call it that, with with Seedman, with with Joel Seedman. Doc, sorry, Doctor, Doctor Joel Seedman. Sorry, sorry, Seedman himself. When you, for those who haven't listened to that already, where was that hosted? Who who hosted that debate? Uh, Max Schmarzo and uh, Vernon Griffith, but there's there's a copy of that on the Strength Coach Network YouTube as well. Oh, sweet. Perfect. Um, when when <laughs> you were... Which is... <laughs> the thumbnail <laughs> is... Uh, we mocked up a photo of me holding Joel Seaman on my lap as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> but when you reflect back on that debate, how, like, how do you how do you view it? Do you look back on that and you're like, all right, that was productive. Like, I feel like I had a good conversation with someone. Or do you look back on that and you say please give me that hour, hour and a half of my life back. I mean, I spoke to a lot of people where, as I said, there's a lot of hesitancy to just call a spade a spade in the industry because, again, it's about, you know, who who knows you, who likes you, who's, whose guy are you? And people are paranoid to just be like, this guy's a fraud, doesn't know what he's talking about. It's bullshit. Not specifically Joel, but plenty of other people. Because you might offend someone's guy, you might be bringing negative attention to the university that runs, you know. Institutions are paranoid about bringing negative attention, but they'll happily run an athlete to death or, you know, have a sex scandal or pay someone hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to leave their job. Or, you know, be being perceived to be negative or like all that pe people do not speak out. So what's the point in having all this freedom? If I can't enjoy it, I'm just going to be like, this is bullshit. You don't know what you're talking about and you're wrong for these reasons. And then people are like, Oh yes. So I, you know, I'm quite happy to do it for that reason. Um, did I, did I, you know, when, when you enter into a debate, I feel like the debate is for like 2% of the audience that might be on the fence, that you can maybe change their minds. Did, did Joel Seedman's, like his disciples come away from that being like, you know what, that rugby guy's got a lot of fucking points. They'd be like, nah, he trains Tyler, um, Taylor Heineke. He just got a feature in men's health. And guess what? He trained Jadavian Clowney last week, who apparently has too much money. <laughs> and the, the people that I'm sure I brought to the debate were like they looked at the arguments that I you know I put out. Doesn't matter who you fucking train. Doesn't matter you know who uh, who's giving you a feature. This is what the data says. This is what the science says. This is what you did. The two don't match up. So it's like there's a tiny sliver that maybe um, that I convinced. Quite quite frankly, I did it for eyeballs and money. Yeah. So if you effective, we were all watching. Follows that I got from that. I got a thousand followers on Instagram, and I probably added. I don't know. It was thousands. Yeah. Like you, you know, yearly revenue. So I'm quite, quite, you know. That was content creation at its finest. Oh yeah. That was phenomenal. Yeah. I need to start some beef. You do. 
I feel like you got some people that you can beef with. Yeah. Get out there and start beefing. With with marketing, like I I speak to my assistant about this all the time. What I've learned through trial and error is the stronger your identity, and the the the, the you don't want to speak to this huge swathe of people and hit them at like a two out of ten. You want a core of people that are like ten out of ten. That's my that's my group. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. Which is why you know CrossFit is a Scientology of exercise. They're all eleven out of ten. <laughs> uh, but in terms of marketing, so it's it's really about like identity, positioning yourself, in group, out group. This is what we're about. It can get a little bit culty. So that's one of the things that I've tried to build into the positioning of Strength Coach Network is we'll follow the logic to where it goes. Quite happy to be wrong, open to changing opinions, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the time people struggle with that so it's much easier to say what you are not by default to arrive at what you are so if you organically by design crossfit has tremendous group cohesion and identity and they have had numerous crusades in the way that they market themselves for their you know they're absolute mongoloids but gota they've quite comfortably identified what they're not. Um, so I think that is, it's useful from a positioning and marketing standpoint to say like, that's what we're not, that's what we're not, that's what we're not, and just like, you know. And like our, our kind of thing, because this is definitely the way that I worked, because I pissed off a lot of people and I don't give a fuck. It, we are not the Navy, we're the pirates. <laughs> So when you look at the industry as a whole and you see kind of these pockets of zealotry of people who buy into kind of one modality or the other, some folks argue from the point of like, that shouldn't be how it is. Like, you know, like you said, it should be speaking to this wide swath of individuals. We should be hitting as many people with the quote unquote truth as possible. That's their marketing scheme. <laughs> you are gonna go down to the local church today and hand out leaflets that say, "Oh, when you when you die, that's it. Uh, existence is fleeting, and one day we'll all be nothing but dust." And you hand in the leaflets. Go, oh, oh, fucking hell! He's got a point. No, <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got the, the the two people in the pews at the back. Like, fucking hell, is this thing real? Those are the people you need to market to. And if you if you do start to get into a situation where you're you're paying to reach people. And ultimately, everyone pays when they market. They pay in time or they pay in money. The hard lesson that I've learned is money doesn't get tired and there's always more money. If you're DMing 100 people each day on you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you're going to run out of puff and it's not, it's not scalable. But when you start to pay to reach people to put your message in front of them, you don't want to be reaching the 99 you want to be reaching the one because then your your cost per acquisition comes down and ultimately all business is about does the lifetime value exceed the cost per acquisition if it does put in infinite amount of money uh, amazon i believe uh, it's been a while since i read his his biography jeff bezos's policy when amazon was growing was you can go out do whatever the fuck you want acquire me a customer and you cannot spend more than a hundred dollars per acquisition and his thing is, uh, 
your, he said, your margin is our opportunity. So if I know I'm going to make, famously, I don't think they made a profit for like 20 years. If, if I know that I'm going to make $100 and one cent for every customer that I acquire, I'm going to go out and spend a hundred bucks and spend you out of existence and just keep borrowing money and just eat up all the customers. I don't have the stomach for it, but I like in the last couple of years, like I know roughly how much each person is going to be worth to us. And that's why I, you know, you see my face on Instagram. He's burning cash. He's throwing cash at it. And I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If it was a product that wasn't helping people, you know, that'd be one thing. But at the end of the day, what's being offered with Strength Coach Network is a product that it is a service that is genuinely seriously helping people. And at the end of the day, like, I, a lot of people are very thankful and you should be really, really proud of, of what you put out there. Thank you. Bob, Bob pass on to the, uh, to the guys helping me. Yeah. Um, so just out of, out of curiosity, when, when you're running strength coach network, are you actively putting in lectures of your own or are you serving more as a content curator? I, I learned the hard way. You, you, you can't be in the business working on the business. Wow, gun show. At our last coaches meeting, that was her quote that she threw out. He's stealing all your quotes here. You, you, are, you really are a... Stealing copy, now cure wing flat. Copy and paste her. <gasps> Elon Musk is is not uh, on the production line, because, uh, you know, put, putting uh, cars together. This, this is the, the difficult thing. So the temptation is when you start out, is to make yourself the business because you say, oh, I don't have to pay myself for content or I don't have to pay myself for whatever. So I'm saving money. Yes, but you do not have infinite ideas in your head. People will get bored of you. Uh, you're not working on building the, the, the structures that allow a business to grow. And if you are the business, you can't sell the business. So there is a reason that Rugby Strength Coach branched off into Strength Coach Network. Go on Strength Coach, go on Strength Coach Network Instagram. I challenge you to find my face. I do not do Strength Coach Network Instagram. I have an assistant that manages all that. I promote Strength Coach Network from my personal Instagram, but we've grown it to I think it's like twelve thousand people now, completely hands off. So now I know that aspect of it can grow, and I'm I'm slowly putting off you know more and more so uh this time last year i think i had like one assistant just helping me out a little bit now i have uh in at the end of the olympic games i'll have two full-time people helping with the website so that's that's like where i'm trying to go the the kind of thing that you tell yourself it's a lie that you tell yourself is like oh if if i promote other people's content or material that's not my own people won't pay me money you know oh they have they have to want me it's it's bullshit so who just just by their ability to promote and move product who is the biggest bookseller in american history i don't know you're gonna tell us though who is oh, motherfucking winfrey uh, yeah no uh, yeah okay yeah she it used to be I, i'm sure things have changed but it used to be back in the day if you sat on oprah's couch and you had a book to promote she would change your life that's it like literally she would she would make you a millionaire 
And that, that model, you realize how many books has Oprah written? Zero. Like, you know, like novels or I've tried to actually, like, I find her to be very, very interesting as a business person. I tried to find autobiographies and for some reason nobody wants to write one about her, but you realize uh, in a, in a world of abundance, seek scarcity in a world of, in a world of scarcity, seek abundance. We live in a world of abundance. So Oprah's audience is bombarded 24 seven by this, by this, by this, by this, by this. And a lot of people get disappointed because they get their pants pulled down and so on. So what Oprah is doing is acting as the gatekeeper, like you said, a curator where her value, her brand is like, Hey, if Oprah says it's okay, it's okay. So could you find all of the information within Strength Coach Network for free on the internet? Absolutely. Are you going to spend a lot of time, money, energy, making mistakes to get to it? Absolutely. So what we're, we're trying to be is the curator to, to do that. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way to do it. And then you throw the little RSC stamp on it and boom, you are – I, I I, I, I think you're the Oprah of, of the strength coaching world at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Oprah on the Gifted Performance Podcast. It's a big day for us. And you get an apartment. You get an apartment. You get a terrible apartment. Okay, but you, you get evicted. You get evicted. <laughs> the, um, the scalability of selling yourself is also something that I think gets really tricky at times. Because when you have people that are just nut huggers on you and only you, and they only want you, you become that we've all been in that spot right where somebody comes to you they want a, a service from you that is not necessarily your strength for me when, it, when people want something outside of tactical or concurrent training i'm kind of like well there's there's better there's better people but they've created a link and then there's a dilemma where i say listen absolutely no and here's the right person please respect this or i go well maybe i will take this exception because I, I do like people and it puts you in a weird spot. Yeah. And so any gun show is limitedly yeah. marketable. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's a, you're, you're prioritizing short-term game over gain, sorry, over long-term scalability. Right. And it's, so, an, and something scale. that I've found to be true is exceptions will tear your business apart. Anytime you have any business and you start making exceptions, it will, it just, the, the bump in productivity, the little like, oh, I got to think about this person a little bit, a little, little way harder than someone else. It, it just crushes you. And, uh, and then from a, from a totally different perspective, like if you can see sell an idea, the ideal can be perfect. But yeah. if you're selling you like, oh, I'm so flawed, I'm, you know, they're all so flawed. I'm, I'm, I was just a few different decisions away from a scandal at, at any time, right? Now I've mellowed out, but I had to wean myself off, you know, because it was like, oh, you know, rugby strength coach uh, templates, online coaching console, strength coach network, blah, 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 blah. So I made a, a concerted decision 18 months ago, no more online clients, which is, you know, that's like a decent chunk of money. Said, yeah. no more online clients, no more consults, no more hours for dollars, only scalable shit. So I got rid of that. And now I still have the form up. If you want me to online coach you, I'm just going to say, no, thank you. Go to Graham Morris, who's a great friend and colleague of mine. Um, I just, I, I want that business to go to him and they're in good hands with him. So I don't do that anymore. 
uh, then it was like, oh, well, you know, I'm doing these templates that are, you know, doing decent money and uh, it's it's fun to do and easy to do. And I had to wean myself off. So like I left in the October, immediately put one out and it did it did good money for me. And I was like, oh, you know, one more. And I did another. I was like, oh, and then I did another. And that was January. That's it. No more. Right. No more. Because then you put pressure on yourself to make that money up with the thing that you're doing that's scalable. And if you can make that money up, you can make a lot more. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> the good thing about a template or a, a non-coaching option is it takes the monkey off your back a little bit. When you know somebody's like, hey, I really, really want to work with you. I've got zero spots open. I do have a template. If you want to get this AC, this like Army Combat Fitness Test, you want to take that under control, here's the template. Coming soon, coming soon to gifted performance. <laughs> but, but now they have a, on the real now, we'll talk about later, but on the real. Um, but that, that gives people that don't necessarily, they don't have the, maybe the time for or the bandwidth for, and it's a very like small thing that they want brushed off that way but if it starts to take away from other things you can't do it anymore it's not scalable. let's see that what i would do now is i would have i would turn that into a subscription with the group yeah. and then I'd, I'd run it off team builder who's one of my sponsors team builder and um let's oh. just do like hey you know pay a, a paltry sum every month mm-hmm. but then it, it's one of those like scalability things and then you just you just park an assistant on it and say right if this question comes in this is the answer if this question blah 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 that's a good idea from there. that's ryan that's a good idea the accelerator right. move it over to team builder that's what i'm saying we were looking for something to house it so folks that are listening from the gifted fitness accelerator what's up do you have team builder already we do not have an account set up right oh, now. Yeah. So we were looking at we were looking at train heroic, but Tom was saying train heroic charges a ton. Kier's shaking his hand. He's contractually obligated to say this. <laughs> so I need. So I guess we need to. Uh, I guess we're being told we need to check out Team Builder. I, I you know, like I tell people, uh, there are other other options out there. They sponsor the site, but before they were ever a sponsor, I'd already given them several thousand. So it, it was good enough that I was happy to do that. And then, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. T- team builder, if you're listening, I'll have my people reach out to your people. We'll be in contact. So, Kira, since the last time we spoke, we had, you know, 10 coaches on staff, a nice, even round number. Since then, we've brought on three other coaches, a lifestyle coach, a chiropractor, and another doctor of physical therapy. 13 is not an even, it's not a round number, and it sure as shit does not cater itself well to a fantasy football league. So what we wanted to offer you here today on the recording is a position in the gifted performance fantasy football league. And that is American football, not Handbag. football. Handbag, yes. He's in. He's, He's in. in. So there is, so there is one caveat. The there is, that's I did. I want him to agree to it first. So there is one caveat, and that is at the end of each week, the lowest scoring individual has to eat um, a, a gross sandwich of the winner's choosing. So last year it was the filet of fish sandwich. So in week one, if you were the grand loser, you had one McFish, two, you had two McFish, all the way to week 13, where my 12. 
where my poor my my poor roommate who weighs 115 pounds pounded 13 fillet of fish sandwiches in oh, one sitting. I would rather lay in a bed of dicks and eat 13. <laughs> <laughs> so in week I, nine, I made the commitment that I was going to eat my nine McFish and then run a sub 720 mile. So I finished my McFish and I immediately hit the road and I ran a 709 mile. And I felt about as bad as I've ever felt in my entire life after that. <laughs> so I, we'll uh, we'll definitely get that set up. Hey, Annie? I ate 12 and on my way to the way to McDonald's, way to I the was hospital. like, Man, I have to eat 12 mixed fishes by myself. And my 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 old ride or die was like, I'll, I'll do that with you. And I was like, what? oh, my God. And so we went and ordered 24 McFish sandwiches. What was the bill on that? 70-something dollars. <laughs> and then we came back. Is that a write-off? Did you write that off? I might have to. No, it's too late now. I can't know. I don't know what to do. But then, like... The best thing ever was just sitting here. And I love that, that Cody that doesn't like to be on social media probably shouldn't. was like, put the camera on. We're doing this. We're doing it. It was a good time. I think it boosted our marriage a little bit. Big fish. It's, it's, a, marriage it's adversity that galvanizes the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat 12 Alrighty. fishes by myself Thank now. You. I think that just about concludes us for the day. Anything you wanted to circle back to, Annie, Kier? Kier, thanks again for coming on. It's always fun chopping it up and, and shooting yeah. the shit with you. Thank you. Anything, Annie? Um, hey, just I do know that a lot of my colleagues in the SNC world listen to these Gifted Performance podcasts, and I appreciate it. Circle back around to Strength Coach Network. You do have time. Thanks. It's only a dollar to try. Only yeah. only a dollar to try, and I'm being told that there might be even a coupon code headed our way if you do want to sign up for that full year. All of those links will be in the description of this video as well as the show notes if you're listening on Apple Music, Spotify, all those others. Uh, make sure you do the usual YouTube algorithm stuff, like, comment, subscribe, notification bell, send it to your mom, your dad, your dog, all that good stuff. We will see you on the next one. Until then, stay gifted, folks. See ya.